Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. Today we're going to look at the readings for the fourth Sunday of Easter. If you would like to listen to all the readings, you can do so by listening to them on the readings podcast that was dropped previously to this one. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Hill. And today we have a guest. It is the Reverend Dale Skizik. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, thank you very much. It's good to be here. Uh, I have been a church worker for 46 years, 11 years as a Lutheran school teacher in Southern Illinois, Jacob, Illinois, and here at Holy Cross. I graduated Concordia Seminary in 1992, served churches in Warden, Illinois, and Prairie Town, Illinois, retiring in August of 2018. And the angels rejoiced, and we were excited to have you here at Holy Cross, and now I get to exploit your retirement by having you come and hang out with us <laughs> for Get Right for Sunday. Absolutely. It's my pleasure to be here. <laughs> and you know he's a man of patience, because he taught for 11 years, you said? Yes. I could only bear three years, and then I had to get out of there. So. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, what, what did you teach? I taught uh, primarily uh, fifth grade. Fifth grade. But I have taught everything from third through eighth. Wow. My first year, I taught third, fourth, and fifth. Four years, I taught sixth, seventh, and eighth. And while I was here at Holy Cross, I taught primarily fifth grade. That is patience. Fifth grade's like an awesome grade. It is. Because you're you're not old enough to to be um, controversial, but you're not childish where you're just a bump on the log along for the ride and correct a, a pivotal age so correct hopefully that patience uh comes into play here as you got to deal with us too for the next little bit here <laughs> oh yes we work through this oh yes well today I, I would like to look at uh the gospel lesson and that's saint john chapter 10 verses 22 to 30 and this is on the uh event of Good Shepherd Sunday. And we recognize Jesus being our Good Shepherd. And I don't want to say this dismissively. Uh, we, we hear some sheep talk, we hear some uh, shepherd talk, especially in this text. And what I really appreciate about this is um, this text is before the uh, crucifixion and resurrection. And Jesus is very open about who and what he is. Uh, we've heard in other places that uh, when he's challenged about his teaching, he says, I've been teaching in the synagogue. I've been doing these miracles. I've been doing all of this. And now you question me? And in this text, we hear on the Feast of Dedication, uh, which took place at Jerusalem, and it was winter, uh, the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. I want everybody and anybody to know that I really appreciate this question. Uh, I, I don't know if you gentlemen have had this uh, situation, but the whole idea that uh, when you're reading the Bible, 
uh, when you're preparing for a sermon, Bible class, or even knowing that you have to go talk to someone who is having a, a crisis of faith or just has a question uh, about Scripture or the Church, how nice it would be if God would just reveal Himself. Really just take it out of your hands and say, I got this. I'll show up and I'll prove everything. Uh, my only few 15 years of the ministry, he has yet to do that for me. But how amazing would it be? And I make no bones about it. I pray for this true revelation of Christ being seen. Now, I want it to be big and miraculous. I want, you know, I want him to show up in the middle of my sermon so people know that, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. I think the Jews have every right to ask this question. Show us. Tell us plainly. I really like this question. Do, do you guys have any comments on that? Well, I have to wonder, uh, you know, if Jesus just looked at him and said, okay, here it is plainly. I'm the Messiah. If they would have been like, okay, good enough for us. Uh, because we get the sense that um, this is well into Jesus' ministry. Yeah. And especially the Gospel of John makes very clear this uh, this importance, this emphasis on his signs and wonders, the things that he has been doing to show people, give them a little glimpse of who he is. Uh, and so he's been doing these signs and wonders, and they're still unsure of who he is. So it, it, it's definitely that human curiosity coming out. Uh, does this guy meet the expectations that we've all been holding? But there's also this, uh, in my head, well, why don't they, why don't they believe yet? Why haven't they seen enough? Why do they need him to say more? So I kind of wonder about that. No, I, I think that's really good because um, with my question, it's kind of leading to that whole, I really like the question, but it's not like he hasn't shown who he is before. And your question, why aren't they believing? And can Jesus say, I've done all of this why aren't you believing? And before we push record, you made the comment that uh, in our last podcast, the whole idea of connection between seeing and believing, it's not like they haven't seen or heard Jesus do these things. And I really, almost the arrogance, we want you to do more according to our understanding, according to what we want. And this, at the end of the day, becomes a first, com first commandment issue. And who's running the show in this? Who is, you'll be God when you do these things. You'll be the Messiah when you do these things, according to my test, my expectations. And I think that's really interesting. And I also think that's one of the reasons I like this question, because at the end of the day, my sinful nature wins out more often than I'd like to admit and I want to be God, and I want to paint God in a box. Uh, I want the genie. I want the great wish maker, the big guy in heaven. I don't want the Messiah that comes and rescues me from my sins because I have to recognize that I'm in need of a Savior. I have to recognize my sins. I have to actually understand that I'm not God. And that's hard. And I don't say that to be funny. It's our sinful nature. And again, that's why I like this question because it I think it puts Jesus under my finger when I should be under his grace, peace, mercy, and life. Well, and then the, the next thing is uh, Jesus, um, he answers, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. 
but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. That, that's a gut punch. Jesus has openly stated that he has come to the children of Israel. He has come to the children of Abraham. The Pharisees themselves say that they cannot be set free because they are the children of Abraham. And Jesus slaps them with this truth. I have come and you're not one of them. That's some harsh stuff. How, how do we deal with that? So with that, we have a lot of um, a lot of things going. I mean, he's really calling them out here, uh, and and kind of uh, why aren't you getting it yet? Uh, I've done enough. I don't. There's really nothing more to be said. Just look at what I've already done. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're they're rejecting him here, and so we have this idea that um, these Jews in this scene here with Jesus have not been given the gift of faith. Uh, they have refused to believe in him. And um, we see that play out as he continues, because Jesus really has made some big claims here. Mm -hmm. uh, right before this, he talks about being the good shepherd and that he's going to care for his flock and that this task was given to him by the Father. This charge I received from my Father. And then here in this section, he's making the, the direct connection that the Father and I are one and you're not one of mine. So he's casting them out from God. Uh, and we see in the following verses that they don't take too kindly to this, uh, this declaration by Jesus. Um, but there's this, there's this back and forth that he's done all these things, and yet they still don't believe. They still have that hard heart, uh, kind of reminds you of Pharaoh, that they've turned away from the things they've seen him do, they've heard him do, and they still don't want to go there. Well, I absolutely agree, and I want to add to the to that that even in this text, even in this uh, discourse, Jesus is still offering. He's still pointing to himself. He's not closing the door. You haven't believed. Well, sucks to be you. You're out. It is that offer. You have refused to believe, but I still come. I still offer. I'm still here. And he makes this amazing statement: My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The first thing is, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I think this is amazing because it puts us in this passive, receptive uh, position. We get to have God come to us in the voice of our preach, in the voice of pastors, preaching, teaching, and delivering the gifts of God. We are to hear our Father. We are to hear Jesus. And this is amazing because it's always God working. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit, opening our ears, opening our eyes, uh, creating, sustaining faith so that we actually do get to follow, we actually do get to listen, but wholeheartedly seeing the whole picture. When Jesus shows up, it's not, oh, there's the miracle worker, there's the Savior, there's the Messiah, there's the one who has been promised, who has come to me. And that last statement, I and the Father are one, that is just amazing, because now the man Jesus is now there, the God Jesus. And that is just this real exciting thing which I absolutely believe that no one there outside of the disciples who are kind of connecting dots, 
they don't get this, and they immediately hear blasphemy. Who do you think you are to make this claim? And in my mind's eye, I always hear Jesus being really calm, like Pastor Skizik teaching the, the fifth graders, being really calm and patient and just teaching and showing, not letting anybody uh, rile him because it's said that, that gracious offer, I am the one that has come because I and the Father are one, and here you go. And I think this is huge. Um, and it's funny to say all of Scripture is huge. It's all God's work, but the high idea of Christ coming. Pastor Skizik, I got a question for you. Uh, the whole idea, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The humbleness of knowing that you are the voice of God to the people you preach to and, and the bigness of that. How does that hit you, especially with the whole idea that uh, the Holy Spirit uses you, your words, to work faith and the building of the kingdom? Yes, uh, that's interesting. I walk up into the pulpit thinking, oh, yeah. it's not my word that I'm speaking. It's your word, Lord. And I, my prayer is every time I walk in there that the people hear the voice of the shepherd and not see me mm -hmm. and not hear me. They're hearing the voice of the shepherd speaking. Right. Um, it would be very easy for me to walk out of the pulpit and say, hey, I've done a great job. Uh, it's It was, I hit a home run today, mm -hmm. but it's not me. It's God. Mm -hmm. And I'm just speaking the words that the Lord shepherd, the good shepherd, gives me to speak. A Amen. And, and that's what I, I think is amazing, because that really leads into the application of this gospel lesson, which is uh, really in the first lesson, uh, Acts. You got Paul setting up churches. The Holy Spirit has brought him into the, the kingdom, and he is preaching, he is teaching, and now he is warning people that there will be others who will come into the church to deceive, to uh, give them words and phrases, ideas, concepts, doctrines that are contrary to Scripture. And I really appreciated what you, you said, uh, mounting the pulpit. Is it my word or his word? Are they seeing me or are they hearing the good shepherd? And that's exactly what Paul is saying. Um, and I think that that is, again, a huge concept. Because, again, going back to, to my, my sinful nature, I want to hear what I want to hear. I want to hear how good I am. I want to hear how much God loves me because of me. And it's actually really not hard to find pastors who are willing to do that. Mm -hmm. It's not hard to find churches who are willing to build the sinner up and not the saint. And we get cheap grace, we get false grace, we get false doctrine. And uh, these are scary. And this is hard for the church because sometimes the church needs to say the really hard things, the things that aren't popular, the things that we don't want to hear, the things that we don't want to do. And unfortunately, it makes Jesus out to be the new lawgiver. Jesus comes to ruin the party. He's going to tell you what to do, how to do it, and we end up actually taking away the gospel of Christ and putting him back into just law, and we lose the fullness. And again, it's what the, the Jews were asking, show us plainly, and Jesus shows us, shows us them the fact that he is the Messiah coming to rescue, not the one to coming, not the one coming to 
bring the law, condemnation, and damnation. Vicar, do you got anything with, with the idea, especially in the preparation for ministry, the preparation for being the voice of God to the people that will be placed into your care? Yeah. So with this, when we're when we're talking about, and you mentioned earlier, this is going to be Good Shepherd Sunday, mm-hmm. and the focus is going to be on Jesus. And um, I got to interrupt. I, I just loved how smooth. Yeah, I got something to say. This is what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> of course, I have something to say. <laughs> um, so with this, a lot of times you kind of hear ministry and and the pastoral office described, and um, there's kind of this uh, this notion. Um, that sometimes the pastor is the shepherd, and that that can be a good, appropriate uh, use of the term. But the way that I've heard that I kind of prefer is that Jesus is the shepherd, Mm. and the pastor is the Mm. under-shepherd, the shepherd's apprentice. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's been set by the shepherd to do something. And I really like sometimes I hear people describe pastors as the Mm -hmm. sheepdog, the one who is uh, helping round up Jesus' flock. Uh, because it's it's not the pastor's word, it's the the shepherd's word. It's Jesus' word, and the pastor is just helping round everybody up. So when the sheep, the flock of Jesus, start going off astray, they're going off into the sin uh, of their their lives and their sinful flesh. It's the sheepdog's job to no, you got to round them back up mm-hmm. and bring them back to the shepherd. So I think that's an interesting way to kind of think through this and to put into perspective kind of what you guys were talking about earlier, that it's it's not about the pastor because the pastor is just the instrument of God. So with all that, we have the great promise that also comes in this gospel lesson that uh, those who belong to the shepherd cannot be snatched away. Hmm. They cannot be... F- they cannot be uh, taken or plucked out of God's hand. Uh, and that that seems good and nice. Everything is every, everything is hunky-dory uh, until you look at what was going on in the early Christian church where we have Paul. And he's writing to the other overseers of the church, and he's warning them that there are going to be those who come and mess up this gospel of Christ. They're going to try to pull sheep away from Jesus. They are wolves in sheep clothing, sheep's clothing, uh, trying to trick and deceive by either adding to the gospel of Jesus or taking away from the gospel of Jesus. And so we know, we hear on the one hand that we cannot be plucked out of the Father's hand, but we also know that there are going to be those who come and try to deceive people from the Father's hand. Uh, and so there's this tension that exists where we can't let our guard down. Mm-hmm. And that's where, as you guys, pastors, overseers, in the work that you did for decades for your congregations and, and Pastor Wright here still today, um, there's, an, there's a seriousness to treat this with, uh, that there are going to be those who try to snatch people away from the flock. And that's where it's, there's this charge for those who are pastors now that they need to do their job and they need to do it well. Yeah. And in that, all that means is you point people back to Jesus. Yeah, I, I've uh, tried to make the point that, uh, especially as pastor, I want to be Holy Cross's John the Baptist, which means I get out of the way and point to Jesus. Uh, very much as you said, Pastor mm-hmm. Skizik, mounting the pulpit to make sure the voice of God is heard, not me, not uh, anything that I did. But there's a lot of preparation. I still have to study. I still have to write a sermon. I yes. still have to, to know stuff to point people to Christ. And, and it's all humbling. And, and, Vicar, I really appreciated your, your statement, the seriousness of this. 
What do wolves do? They're not cuddly pets. They devour, they eat, they steal. That's what false doctrine does. Devour, tears, and steals. And this is why the the pastor teaches. This is why the pastor preaches. This is also why the pastor is to have relationships, to know the people, to lead them away from false doctrine, to admonish, to build them up, and to bring security. Because we also need to know that uh, the whole idea that uh, when Jesus says that no one will snatch them out of my Father's hands, this isn't the promise of once saved, always saved. You can lose your salvation. You can do it real easy. Say no to God. Live contrary to what God has given and delivered. Stop listening to the voice of your shepherd. Uh, We see this on full display at the beginning of time in Genesis chapter 3. God created everything. And who does Adam and Eve listen to? The voice of the serpent. Did God really say? And I I love that question because, you know, again, the curiosity. Did God really say? Does that really mean for me? It might mean for you guys, but not not for me. And how quickly we start justifying our actions and so on and so forth. And, and this is why we need the correction of God's Holy Spirit. This is why we have, I really appreciate the sheepdog, because he comes and brings us back. But who does he lead us to? The shepherd who will lead us to good pastures, good green grass, uh, the waters of everlasting life, so on and so forth. And this is the joy of the promise of not only Good Shepherd Sunday, but the promise that Jesus has revealed himself. He has come. And this is what you have in and through the preaching of Christ, in and through the administration of his sacraments for life everlasting. I think it's important also that uh, for you and I and you as a to-be pastor, that we remain faithful as Mm -hmm. under shepherds of the good shepherd, because Scripture also talks about the hireling who cares nothing for the sheep. Um, I don't want to be a hireling. I want to be faithful to the task that's before me of being the under shepherd of the good shepherd. And and I'd like to take that even a step further in the whole idea that uh, as members of a congregation, what do you do? You continue to listen. You continue to participate. You seek to be a part of that flock. And this becomes the Great Commission. This becomes the kingdom of God. This becomes church. This becomes the life that is promised all because of who is working, the good shepherd. I think that's amazing. Yes. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.